the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Right now, there's a situation brewing in the men's basic department. Men are being held hostage by overpriced brands that simply aren't mission-tested. That's why we're excited to tell you about Undertack, the only brand that's literally been battle-tested by special forces. These have to be the greatest boxers ever made because they cover all the bases. High-quality material that's antibacterial, anti-pilling, and moisture-wicking so you stay fresh and dry all day. Uh, I recently did a 30-mile run in preparation for an ultramarathon in a couple weeks wearing the Recon boxers, and they were absolutely incredible. I loved them. They have a quick-release fly and a secret pocket in the extra-wide waistband for cash or tactical necessities. Undertack is durable, ultralight, fade-resistant, and shrink-resistant. And here's the best part, they're almost 30% less than the competition. Go to getundertack.com. That's getundertack.com right now. Save 20% off your order with the offer code SITREP20. All one word, SITREP20. Satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. That is a great American company that's unapologetically pro-America, pro-Second Amendment, and pro-military. That's getundertack.com. GetUndertack.com, offer code SITREP20. Welcome to today's episode of The Situation Report. This is the show where we do our very best to give you the information and perspectives you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. And hopefully as we do that, we're able to encourage you along the way. (laughs) Sometimes information and perspectives, particularly at the time in which we're living, can be overwhelming and a bit depressing. But I think today's conversation will be a help to you. It will also be an encouragement to you. We're going to talk a little bit about a movement called the Convention of States Action. The Convention of States Action. We're going to speak with Mark Meckler, who is uh, really leading this and pulling a lot of this together. He's going to explain this to us. Uh, Wonderful conversation. But we talk about a convention of states. We talk about the reality that our country was established on a very basic principle. We need a federal government because a federal government allows us to pool resources for things like international trade, for defense, very, very few things that we as a nation of states should come together to do. But there is a separation of powers. The federal government is not all supreme. In fact, when we came together, we were trying to get away from an all supreme government uh, run by a king where he could unilaterally decide what we were going to do, how we were going to live, where we would spend our money, what we would buy and what we would not buy. We were pushing back against that. We understood the need for a federal government, but we wanted to maintain independence in regions, what we call states. It's very interesting, even when we look at our first president, George Washington, uh, he wanted to be very, very careful not to appear as though he were a king. He wanted to give the impression, and he lived his life in such a way that he was not supreme. He was just the 
main guy at the top who is responsible for holding this thing together. And certainly he did. Our guest is going to talk about some of that today as we go on. But when we discuss states' rights, we need to be very careful to understand what we're talking about. When we discuss the reality that states have the right to come together as an organization of states and decide what the federal government will or will not do, we need to be very careful about what we're talking about, to understand the actual uh, discussion, to understand the actual topic. We have a history when it comes to states' rights. In our country, when you say states' rights, most people will hearken back to the Civil War. They'll harken back to a time where those who were really holding to the idea of states' rights were probably on the wrong side of history, at least as it relates to slavery. It was those who maintained the uh, idea, the belief that the states should have rights that the federal government does not have that also believed that slavery should be held in place. And so when we talk about states' rights, sometimes we go back to that. Really what we're talking about, though, is the right of individuals to govern themselves. That's a novel concept, isn't it? We believe that liberty, that freedom, was given to us by God. It's a right given by God, an inalienable right. You've heard me talk about this before. Uh, Inalienable. It's given to us in the Declaration of Independence that way. It means it can't be taken away. And the reason it can't be taken away is because it was given to us by God and not by government. As the founders put together the Declaration of Independence and signed it, it was based on a very simple premise. The king does not give us our rights. We're born with rights given to us by God. The government does not give us our rights. We're born with rights given to us by God. And so we should maintain those rights. When we talk about states' rights... That's exactly what we're talking about. Imagine this. The federal government does something that violates your conscience, and our federal government does things that violate my conscience for sure. The federal government imposes rules or laws, um, ideas of taxation that we would be opposed to fundamentally, perhaps even biblically as Christians. We would say, I'm opposed to that. That's wrong. We could think about things like legalized abortion and so many other issues. If it is the federal government instituting these on top of us, we can go nowhere. (laughs) Well, I guess we could go to another country, perhaps. We could leave and uh, go live somewhere else. I don't know where else we would live. Uh, Most places in the world are much worse than the United States. But we have nowhere to go. If your state imposes laws, rules, taxation in a way that you disagree with, You have the sovereignty as an individual to go somewhere else. That's what our founders were looking at when they considered this idea of states' rights, of separation of powers, of a federal government that needed to protect human life, of a federal government that needed to defend the states, of a federal government that needed to be able to petition other governments on behalf of the states. These were important rights given to the federal government. But nothing beyond that. The federal government is not intended, nor was it ever, to rule us, to tell us what we can and cannot do. We're living uh, in a time, we're coming through a time of extreme government overreach. We're seeing this every day in our lives, and something needs to be done. We're experiencing the polarization of our country in ways that uh, most of us have never experienced before. I won't say it has never been this way. Again, civil war (laughs) and other things. 
but it's unlike anything that I've lived through, probably unlike anything you've lived through, where there is left and right and nothing in the middle. There is good and bad and nothing in the middle. Uh, you are either with me or you are absolutely against me. I love you or I hate you. That seems to be where we're living today. And so much of that is because of how we view the federal government. We need to get back to a place where states have the right to govern their citizens as citizens give the states that right. And if your state does something that you disagree with, you then have the opportunity to go somewhere else. And for many of us, we would uh, hear all of what I just said as a, a dream, some kind of utopia somewhere, but it's actually a process found within the Constitution of the United States, and there are many people who are pushing for this, and uh, we likely will see, and we're going to talk about math here in just a minute. I know you don't like math, but we're going to talk about math. Uh, we likely will see a convention of states that will allow this to happen, and uh, man, this is such a, a good thing for our nation, uh, even going through the process, it's a good thing for our country, and uplifting and hopeful and really probably in many ways, the path forward if we are to maintain peace and equality in the United States of America. Looking forward to this great conversation with today's guest, Mark Meckler. Mark is an attorney and business executive currently serving as the president of Citizens for Self-Governance and Convention of States Action, uh, which I'm very excited to talk about today. He is also an active proponent of convention to uh, of a convention to propose amendments to the United States Constitution, and uh, really excited, Mark, to have you on. We we met, I guess, maybe two weeks ago and uh, talked about having this interview. So thankful you set some time aside to talk to us. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate you making time for me. Well, this is uh, this is a very exciting conversation for me, and and I hope that it is for everyone because uh, it's so important. Um, let's begin though with who you are, uh, where you kind of got into this, maybe some of your background and some of your story. Um, it's fascinating when we talk about you know things like the Convention of States and what we're going to discuss. But how does someone get into this? Was was this something you were taught as a kid? You need to fight for these things. Uh, did your dad tell you, I don't know, whatever. How'd you get into this? How'd you end up here? Well, you know, to be fair, it does go back to my parents. And I, yeah. I was raised in Los Angeles, California, very conservative family in what ultimately becomes a very liberal city. I mm. made my way through San Diego State, uh, where I got a degree in English. Then I went to law school in Northern California, practiced law for quite a while. Yeah. I'm kind of a serial entrepreneur. I've done lots of businesses from manufacturing to restaurants and a lot of other stuff. And then ultimately, about 11 years ago, I stumbled into politics. I'd always been politically oriented, but never mm. politically active. And the Tea Party movement happened. And yeah. I ended up, I would say God put it in front of me, ended up founding the the Tea Party Patriots, which grew to be the largest Tea Party yeah. organization in America. And that was 2010. By 2012, I realized it wasn't working. I mean, I was really excited. Mm. We had elected the largest swing class in the history of Congress since 1938, and they didn't do anything. They didn't yeah. change anything. Yeah. Yeah. So I was really frustrated. And I had a friend come to me, a constitutional scholar, the founder of the homeschool movement in America, Mike Ferris. And he said, you got the problem wrong. You think that we have a problem with the personnel in D.C. The real problem is the structure. We've broken the structure of our government. And he explained to me that in Article 5 of the Constitution, it gave us the power 
to call a convention to propose amendments to restore restore the structure of government. That's how I ended up with the Convention of States project. When you talk about breaking the structure of government, what, what does that mean and when did it happen? Well, I would say really it started about 100 to 115 years ago, the early progressive movement. Most people think progressivism is something new, but really goes back to the really late 1800s, early 1900s reaches a public zenith with the Woodrow Wilson administration. Yeah. And basically what started to happen is we started to centralize power at that point. Power started to move away from the states, away from the people into the federal government. Some real specific ways, I mean, if if your viewers, I mean, they know in their own life, the federal government's involved in every aspect of their lives, in education, in energy, in healthcare, and environment. None of those things were ever intended to be in the hands of the federal government. Those yeah. were intended to be handled by the states if they were going to be handled at all and mostly left to the people. So the courts started consolidating power in the federal government in the roughly in the 1900s. That's continued apace to today where most of the power is centralized. So that's the structural break that it's where the power resides in our system of governance. I was just having a conversation this last week with my kids around the dinner table about uh, one of the great American presidents, Abraham Lincoln, and we were talking about uh, the federal government as it is today. So I've got two older kids. So these, these aren't little kids. My 22-year-old daughter, uh, very interested in law, and she's um, going to be a lawyer someday because she likes to fight a lot. So she's a perfect <laughs> job for her. So she'll do great. Um, my son is going to law enforcement, uh, just hired by our police department. And then I have a 14-year-old and a 12-year-old. So we're having this discussion about the world as it is in the country. And... Um, it's very interesting, even as you go back to someone like Abraham Lincoln, for the right reasons, he consolidated power within the federal government. And, you know, we could argue the reasons, there were good reasons, were against slavery, and were against so many of the other things that were happening. But um, structurally, that was a bad thing for the United States, and then sets a precedent where the United States federal government can take control and seize control. We even talk about emergency powers right now. And my argument is that it goes back to, you know, 1863 or whatever, when yep. when Lincoln decided, well, this is an unusual situation, so we'll set the Constitution aside and do what needs to be done. Um, can you talk about that for a minute? Because I think a lot of, not not Lincoln, but, but seizing power underneath the federal government, even for good reasons, why that's bad for us long term, because I think a lot of us right now are living through this well, it saves lives, it protects people, it provides safety, so the federal government needs to take control. That makes sense intuitively, but historically, it's a horrible idea. Can you talk about that for a minute? Yeah, and briefly before I do, let me comment on your family. I come from a law enforcement family, so awesome to hear that your son's yeah. in the law enforcement. And by the way, my son's about to graduate from law school in May, okay. Scalia <laughs> Law at George Mason. So if your daughter yeah. wants to talk to somebody who's just been through it, He's coming through, came out of the Marine Corps, went into law school. So yeah, good awesome. parallel families. And I would say also having those conversations around your table, that's not normal. It's really sure. awesome, but yeah. it's not normal. And I would I'm always told I'm not normal. So yeah. <laughs> that's why we hit it off. But right. You know, it's really interesting because that's really where those conversations should be had. Sure. My kids have their friends come over to our house. They're grown now. And they ask, is it always like this at your house? Right, right. And the answer is, yes, it is. (laughs) So we've had these discussions, and I think it's really important what you're bringing up. And Lincoln is actually a good example because you're correct. He broke our system. He went outside the Constitution for good reason, as you said. And thank God he did. But it always sets a bad precedent. 
And so we can come to the modern era right now and just look at what's going on today and look at all these COVID restrictions, all the stuff that was done by the federal government, some of it clearly unconstitutional, some of it ultimately struck down by the Supreme yep. Court, like the rent yep. moratorium. But people celebrate that stuff because in their hearts they think, wow, people are hurting, so we should make it so landlords can't collect rent. And you yeah. might like the idea today, but once the federal government has that power, they're right. going to use that power in the future in a way you don't like it. I mean, that's inevitable. It always happens that way. Mm. And so anytime we see the federal government take more power, our initial response should always be at a gut level, no, that's a bad idea. If they can argue their way around it, if they can really justify it to us, in my opinion, as long as it's constitutional, yeah. I get it. But they shouldn't always do everything just because it's constitutional. It might set a bad precedent anyway. We were not made to live in isolation. Sadly, many of our veterans feel they need to fight their battles alone. This self-isolation has led to the staggering statistic of more than 20 veterans taking their lives every day. A lot of guys end up drinking, a lot of guys end up losing hope. Someone will go to the VA and they'll try to get, you know, prescription medications to help with PTSD. You know, they'll get pills for anxiety, they'll get pills because they can't sleep, now they'll get pills for depression before they know it. they're taking 12 different medications. And when it's not working out, these guys lose hope, and that's why there's 23 guys a day committing suicide. The mission of Mighty Oaks is to eradicate the veteran suicide epidemic and help our warriors change their legacies. As a result, we've been able to help over 4,000 veterans and first responders by equipping them with the tools they need to live the lives they were created to live. Everything they said just kept hitting me in the heart over and over and over again. It's like all the things that I didn't know that I needed to hear. And uh, I opened my heart to God that week, dude, and like, <laughs> I've been a different person ever since. Our faith-based, peer-to-peer approach has one of the highest success rates of any program available today, offering hope and understanding to those who need it most. We provide our programs and resources, including travel, at no cost to our warriors. I remember talking to a licensed uh, social worker who actually handed me a pamphlet to Mighty Oaks. So I went. And I'm glad I did. By aligning their lives to biblical principles, these men and women are able to lead their families, their communities, and our nation. Our mission is to serve and restore our nation's warriors and families who have endured hardship through their service to America and to help them find new life purpose through hope in Christ. It's your generosity that can make a difference in the lives of the men and women who have fought for our country and our freedoms. Now that they're home, don't let them fight alone. Learn more at MightyOaksPrograms.org. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, we live so often under the precedents that have been set by other people who, you know, good or bad intentions, um, got us to where we are. And states' rights is something that I have not always understood. And, you know, I'm 45 years old. I would say it's probably been in the last five years that I've really thought deeply about that and tried to understand that. And, uh, man, this is so important. Can you talk about the Convention of States, talk about Article 5 of the Constitution, and kind of where that comes from, what the goal is, and just just kind of flesh that out for us, if you don't mind. Yeah, and I want to give a little bit of background before we get there, because you're talking about states' rights. I think that's a super important discussion, and it, it can be very divisive when we talk about states' rights, because there is a natural tendency to tie that back to slavery and yeah, the South right. claiming states' right. rights, and they should be right. able to have slavery. Uh, if you go back in American history, all the way pre-American Revolution, 
we have this vision that everybody got along and everything was okay inside our country. The reality was there was no country, obviously. We had colonies, and they really didn't like each other. There mm -hmm. was a lot of divisiveness, especially around Christianity, different sects of Christianity were calling each other blasphemous and sinners. Right. And, and so the <laughs> colonies didn't get along. And then there was an existential threat in the form of King George and Parliament. And they said, we're going to tell you what to do. And we're going to put troops there. And, and the colonies sort of locked arms and fought against that, right? We know that story. And you would think that after we came out of that war, after we were successful with the revolution, and we have this new country, we'd all get along. And we would all like each other. And it would all be okay. Hmm. But instead, what happens is, we dislike each other so much, we get the Articles <laughs> of Confederation, our right. first form of government, national government. And what ultimately happens, there's so little power in the central government, they have literally the power to do virtually nothing, that it doesn't function. And the reason they form a government like that is they don't really like each other. They don't mm. really trust each other, even after fighting side by side. Yep. Right, so 1787, they gather, they say, this isn't working. There are existential threats in the world. We've got to figure out how to work together. And they get together in convention in Philadelphia. And again, we have this vision. So they all got together in this room. They're so smart. They're so genteel. Yeah, they all right, got along. Right. <laughs> That's not what happened. Right. They fought. They yelled at each other. They accused each other of improprieties. And ultimately, out of that comes a government structure, which is federalism. This is where we get the idea of states' rights. A government structure designed with a separation of powers in mind and specifically yeah. designed for people who don't like each other. I mean, this, this is the reality. They, they didn't yep. like each other as states or as colonies. So they said, we have to do a few things together because it's really important. We do national defense together. We do international trade together. We do international policy together. We've got to do that stuff together. Just a few things. The rest of it, I'm going to do in my own state. You're going mm. to do in your own state because I don't trust you with what goes yep. on in my life at home. So that's how we get the Constitution and our federal system. Now, over time, as I described earlier, especially the last 115 years, We've gone from a system that was really, truly a federalist system to a system where the power is now consolidated in the federal government. So what do you do about that? Well, I actually think we're at a crossroads in America, and there are two things you can do. I think this is inevitable. The country is coming apart. We all see it. It's left versus right, conservative versus liberal. It's hmm. atheist versus people of faith. It's bad. And I think it's awesome. And I know that's unusual, mm -hmm. and it sounds a little weird, but here's why I think it's awesome. Because the answer is federalism. The answer is right. to go back to what we once were, to the structure that worked, strip right. away all this federal government power, let people in California, where I am right now, yep. be as liberal as they want to be, and let yep. people in Texas or Oklahoma be as conservative as they want to be. See, because the only other alternative, and it's really scary, is the country crumbles, maybe violence, mm. maybe revolution, civil war. Those things are never pretty. I hear people say, oh, we should take up arms. We should split the country. Those people don't know anything about war. If you yeah. want to know what that looks like, look at Ukraine right now. Right, sure. Because that's yeah. what it would look like. So then the answer is, well, federalism. Well, how do you get back to federalism? And the only way that I'm aware of to get back to federalism is to call a convention of states, get the states together to propose amendments and those amendments should be specifically designed to restrain federal tyranny. So that's what we're doing. The process works like this. The Constitution says when two-thirds of states call for a convention, they can gather in convention to discuss whatever they've specified. In our case, the specified resolution says we're going to discuss term limits for federal officials and Congress. Mm. Those yeah. two are important, by the way, not just Congress, yeah. because we now know about the deep state. 
And we sure. need term limits for staffers and bureaucrats right. who are really running things, and also the federal judiciary. So one, term limits. Two, imposing fiscal restraints on the federal government. $30 trillion in debt. We don't even know what that means. Yeah, except sure. For, we right. know it's really bad, right? right. We know it can't <laughs> It's a big continue. number. Go ahead. It's a big number. We know that. That's all we know. The real number, by the way, with long-term liability is about $150 trillion. So we've got to do something about that. So balanced budget amendment, imposing tax and spending caps, maybe uh, imposing generally accepted accounting principles on the federal government mm. so we at least know what they're doing. Yeah. These are things we can do. And then the last thing is imposing scope and jurisdiction restraints on the federal government. That means telling them what they may and may not do. Going back to the original structure, no, you can't do education or energy or health care or environment. All these things that were meant to be the functions of the people and the states so that's what the Convention of States project is all about. Like I said, it takes two-thirds of states to call it, 34 states. So far, 18 states have passed the resolution. I think we're well on our way to the 34 necessary. So if those 34 states come together and those amendments are proposed, is that a vote then that representatives from the states participate in? Does that go to a national vote? What does that look like? And the way the process works is the states will send delegates that are officially called commissioners to the convention, and they'll give them instructions. They'll gather. Each state gets one vote. And then if they can get a majority of states to agree on anything, then those become suggestions to their states. And this is really important. A lot of people are afraid of a convention. Oh, what if it gets hmm. out of control? Well, yeah. all it can do is make suggestions. So it sends suggested amendments out to the states, and then it takes 38 states to ratify those amendments. It takes the legislatures, generally speaking, of those states, both houses, to ratify it. And you got to get to three quarters of states or 38 before anything becomes part of the Constitution. Yeah. Um, when I look at the, you have a map on the website that shows, you know, kind of who's there and who's close. Uh, it, it's really not conservative and liberal. I mean, you look at some of the states, uh, I think New York is on there. Some of the other states I'd look at as liberal states or liberal leaning states. Um, when most people look at this as a conservative issue, why would states, you know, I'm in California as well. I'm in uh, Murrieta, California. Um, I'm in a conservative town in a very liberal state. Why would a state like California be interested in something like this or a state like New York? Um, is it just so they can have representation there what would their stake in something like this be? I mean, I'm only half facetious when I say this. Trump, that's why they should be worried about it. And that's why they should care because, mm. like, you know, I'm originally from California. I moved to Texas because I wanted to be in a more conservative place. That's really the whole reason we moved, right? And so we left California three years ago. And then I would say to my friends in California who are more liberal, what do you think about the idea, and this was when Trump was president, of President Trump telling you in California how to live your lives? Right, right. And if they didn't take a swing at me, <laughs> they would say, it's terrible, <laughs> we hate it, right? And I would say, well, what do you think about a more conservative Supreme Court telling you how to live your life? Oh, we hate it. Well, what do you think about Mitch McConnell telling you how to, they hate all that. Yeah, my response right. would be, you know what? Me too. I don't yeah. like that. I don't think Washington, D.C., either party should tell us what to do in most of the stuff that affects our lives in the states. And so whether you're liberal California or New York or whether you're conservative Texas or Oklahoma, we should all agree the federal government should stay the heck out of our business. Yeah, that's good. Do you feel like the last couple of years of 
complete government tyranny <laughs> has helped to push uh, push the Convention of States agenda forward? It really has. I mean, this has been a banner year for us. Just in the last month or so, we've passed Wisconsin, Nebraska, and West Virginia. South wow. Carolina has also passed both houses. It'll be our 19th state, but there's a little bit of difference in what they did in each house. It has to go from the Senate back to the House for reconciliation. That'll be number 19. I've got Pennsylvania looking good, Ohio looking good, North Carolina looking good. So, yeah, people are looking at the situation in the country, especially in D.C., and saying, whatever that is, that's not working. Yeah, we don't want that. How has the um, response been, you know, kind of more broadly across the country? When when, When you travel and talk about this, is there pushback? Do people get it? Is it hard to explain to folks? What's the general reception? Well, I would say that the most normal response is, what is that? I've never heard of that. And, you know, which is amazing. It's in the Constitution, but because it's never been done, we've never called a convention of states. People yeah. don't know what it is. So that's number one. It's just explaining to them what it is. And then generally what I would say is most people, and especially conservative people, say, why don't I know about this? Like, of course we should do this once they know about it. Now, there is pushback, and there's pushback on the left and the right, and it sounds exactly the same. On the left, it's led by, and I hate to say this because they make everybody makes in the boogeyman, but it's led by Soros organizations. Yeah, Soros, right. Common right. Cause, Center on Budget and Policy Priority. Over 250 groups have signed a press release saying that what we're doing is the most dangerous thing that could happen in America. It's Planned Parenthood, it's La Raza, it's MoveOn.org, you name it. Sure, all the people sure. that, in my opinion, don't really love what America stands for, right. they're right. opposed to this. And then on the right, what I would call some very far-right groups, the John Birch Society is one of them. Unfortunately, Eagle Forum, who I used to have a lot of respect for, is another. They say, we're going to have a runaway convention, and we're going to lose our Constitution. That's their argument. It doesn't make any sense. And by the way, they got that argument from all these leftist groups. Yeah. It originally came from Chief Justice Warren Burger, who's the guy that gave us abortion. That's where mm. he was the first guy to say we could have a runaway convention. But they're siding with all these leftist groups. And the reason you can't have a runaway convention, and this is really important, it's just math. Like, you got to forgive me. I went to school in California, so my math's not great. <laughs> but I do know this. It takes 38 states to ratify anything that comes out of convention. That means it takes only 13 states to stop it. And mm. I've made this challenge to people on the air hundreds of times over the last eight years. If you are afraid of this and you're a conservative, then tell me what you're afraid of. What kind of amendment are you afraid of? I hear repeal the Second Amendment all the time. That's what's going to happen. And then list me the 38 states that will ratify that. Mm. Because I can quickly rattle off 25 states that would shut that down in a second. I mean, Louisiana, Georgia, Florida, Tennessee, the sure. Carolinas, Texas, Ohio, Nebraska, the Dakotas. Virginia is a concealed carry state. There's at least 20. Actually, right now, there are 23 states that are constitutional carry states. So there's no way it can happen. So when people say, and this is the one argument you'll hear against it, we could have a runaway convention, either they don't understand the process or they can't do math. Yeah. What do you see happening um, in the country over the next couple of years if for some reason this convention doesn't take place? Um, You talked about how important this is and the time is right. What happens if we don't do something like this? I think the country continues to rip apart. And I just think that's inevitable. I'm writing a book right now. I'm in the middle of it called The Great Decoupling. The country is coming apart. And it's coming apart because of this structural issue. You know, look, if you're from California, 
Most people in California, as you know, unfortunately, like two thirds of the state are liberal, not geographically, of course, yeah. 90% right. of the state's conservative right. population. Sure. Yeah. But with the population in the cities and they don't like anything that Republicans do when they're in D.C. And then if you come to Texas, it's the opposite. Right. And so we don't yeah. like when Democrats are in power in D.C. So the country is going to continue to rip apart. It's become cultural, deeply cultural as well. Uh, you have all the LGB issues. You've got CRT in the schools, all this stuff going on across the country. We've got really bad race issues, a lot of it caused by the CRT stuff, in my opinion. So the country's going to continue to rip apart, and something has to release that tension. That's why I'm such a big believer in Convention of States. So I think without this, the tensions are going to continue to grow more and more hot. I... um I have a conversation like this and hear from you and it's very hopeful and it, it, you know, it shines a, a light where there's a lot of darkness and I'm very excited about that. Um, I, I will say, however, <laughs> there have been a lot of moments like that over the last couple of years where I've been like, Oh, this is it. This is the thing. This is going to, and then the federal government using whatever machinations they do shut it down. And I mean, whether it's people who should be in prison that aren't or yep. uh, things that were voted on, and then left to die somewhere, whatever. What can the federal government do to stop this? Um, and or maybe the question is, uh, how can how can you and your organization and those who participate get this to become law if it happens? So I think you know there's a couple of ways to look at that. How can they stop it? They really have no actual legitimate power to stop it. Unfortunately, that doesn't stop the government. From sure. Doing stuff, yeah. Sure. Right? But there's nothing in the Constitution that gives the federal government any power over this. And in fact, what the Constitution says and and what we know from the history, it was designed to wire around the federal government Mm. because it was for a moment where the federal government got out of control. So technically speaking, legally speaking, there's no way for the federal government to intervene. It doesn't mean they don't try. And the only way that we prevent that from happening, in my opinion, is by building the movement. Right now, there are over 5 million people involved. I think we need to be over 30 million people involved to be successful Mm. at this. You know, if you look at studies of how things become majority opinion, it tends to take at least 10% of any given population to believe something fundamentally to make it majority opinion. And so that's why we're working so hard to drive up the numbers. But I I think it's just going to be up to the people. And frankly, I'm worried and I'm hopeful, but I'm still worried because there's no guarantees. Like my job, I'll say it like John Quincy Adams said it, duty <laughs> is ours and the results belong to God. All we can do is fight the fight. So I agree with right. you, I'm hopeful, but I don't know how it turns out in the end. Well, in the math, as you go, you know, go back, going back to math, um, if the number required to make this happen, get, get involved, then it will be very difficult to stop. The states will be behind it. Yeah, and if and you look uh, at the, the way the states lay out right now, it is primarily a conservative movement. It shouldn't be, but it is. Today we have 31 states with both houses controlled by Republicans. You have Minnesota and Virginia are split in their houses. I think Minnesota flips this year in 2022. Our activists hmm. are involved in that. Because you've just got one house that's a Democrat, and I th- it's close. I think that's going to flip yeah. back. That'll be 33 or sorry, that, that'll go from 31 to 32. Virginia flipped one house this year, right? So we, we already have a split house there. I think that flips totally in 23. Mm. They're an off-year election. So now you're at 33 states with both houses controlled by Republicans. I think Maine could flip. I think Nevada could flip. And several other states we're working on. Washington, believe it or not, 
Looks like a really interesting. interesting state for a potential flip in a wave year. So I think we're going to get pretty quickly to the place where 34 states have both houses controlled by Republicans. And then, honestly, I think we run the table and we get straight to convention. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, Mark, how can people get involved in this? Um, Tea Party was a huge movement. A lot of people wanted to get on board. Uh, how can people get involved in this? They can go to conventionofstates.com and they should sign the petition. That'll go to your state legislator. It matters, by the way, even if your state's already passed, they need to know the support still exists for it. And then click yeah. on the Take Action tab and volunteer and you'll get hooked up with the state team. And this is really important. Even in states where it's already passed, our teams are involved, depending on the state, in elections and get out the vote, in voter integrity, ballot integrity, election integrity issues. They're involved in pro-life issues, pro-gun issues. It's way more than just getting to convention. This is about the restoration of self-governance in America. That's good. That's at conventionofstates.com. Mark, thank you so much. Uh, really appreciate the conversation and, and what you're involved in. And look forward to uh, talking again when all the states are on board and the convention's happening. It's going to be awesome. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of their lives. He created the Giza Dream bed sheets. They look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep for you and me. Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza. Mike's latest incredible deal is the sale of the year. Sale of the year. That means it's not going to happen again. This is the sale of the year. What is it? For a limited time, you will receive 60% off the Giza Dream Sheets that comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. You will receive a set for as low as $39.99. For a limited time, with any purchase, you will receive Mike's soft cover book free when you use promo code SITREP. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener square and use promo code SITREP. Along with this offer, you will also get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow mattress topper, MyPillow towel sets, and so much more. For those of you that would rather use the phone, and some of you are out there, you know who you are, call 1-800-870-0283, use the promo code SITREP, or MyPillow.com and use the promo code SITREP. Another incredible conversation with Mark Meckler. Uh, man, I have these conversations. I have the opportunity. Um, really, it's a joy to be able to interview people like Mark. And we, we strive to receive good information. That's why we bring guests on so often. We, we get experts in the field. People can speak about what's actually happening. We've had some amazing interviews. We want good information, but uh, my goal is always to take that information and then ask the so what question. What do we do with that? If the information that you're providing to me is not helpful in some way, if there's nothing I can do about it, I might as well ignore it. I'll be happier. I'll go on with my life. I'll pretend like it's okay. I'll watch Netflix or whatever, and uh, it'll be fine. But we get the information that we do so that we know what to do about it. A conversation like this one with Mark, at least to me, is extremely encouraging because when I look at the nation, when I consider what's happening with our federal government and, and so many of these issues that we talk about, it can be overwhelming and depressing. But our founders, and we could attribute wisdom to our founders, certainly they were wise men. Uh, I'll say more than anything, they were men who God used <laughs> and God gave them an unusual measure of wisdom so that they would put things in our governing documents like Article 5 that allows us to have a convention of states so that if the federal government is running away, if its power has become overwhelming um, and oppressive, 
we have an avenue, an opportunity to do something about it. And hearing that and understanding it and seeing how it works, and then even doing the very basic, very simple math around that is extremely encouraging to me, and I hope that it will uh, or is uh, with you as well. Um, there are some folks in your life who need to hear something like this. Some action steps were given, a place that you can go to sign a petition that will help to get your state, wherever it is you're listening from, on board with this. Please go and check that out. Make sure that you are subscribed to the Situation Report on whatever pla- uh, podcast platform it is you're listening from. Make sure you are subscribed. Very, very important. We have incredible conversations three times a week that we push to you. There's no cost to you. All we ask is that you are subscribed, that you listen, that you take those action steps, and that beyond that, you share this content out with people in your world. If you listen to something and you say that was helpful, why don't you go ahead and share it? You know some other people that would find it helpful as well. And uh, I know this was one that was very, very helpful for me. Perhaps you like to watch the video of interviews like this one to see me and Mark and see us interact. So many other videos we have um, when we have Chad Robichaud on co-hosting. We have video of all of this. Uh, you can find that video on the Salem Podcast Network on SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. That is where the video of the Situation Report, report is found. Please go and check that out as well. If you'd like other podcasts, you can find some great podcasts on the Salem Podcast Network, and uh, I would encourage you to go and check that out as well. Awesome content, great conversation. I hope this was a help to you. If it was, one more time, share it out. Someone needs to hear this, uh, and you know them, so get it to them. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Look forward to talking to you next time. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.